Welcome to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. I'm Kevin Prang. This program is a presentation of Metropolitan Congregations United. MCU is a community organization that brings together religious congregations, community groups, and individuals to work for a common purpose, to create a better life for all residents of the region. We work at the intersection of race, economy, political power, gender, and the structures of oppression that work within us individually, within our organization, and within the community. We are working towards building people's control of the government, building community control of the economy, expanding the public sphere, and creating structural racial equity. Today, our guests are Lisa Thompson, an organizer on MCU's Education Task Force, and Hopi Fink, staff attorney of the Education Justice Program of Legal Services of Eastern Missouri. We'll be talking about what the MCU Education Task Force has been working on, issues that have come up at schools during the pandemic and remote learning, how MCU and Legal Services of Eastern Missouri have worked together, and then how parents can advocate for their children. So welcome and thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Lisa, uh, first of all, catch us up to date on the issues that MCU's Education Task Force has been focused on. MCU's Education Task Force is part of our Break the Pipeline campaign at MCU. which stands is short for um, break the school to prison pipeline. So we're the school piece of that. And um, what the what that pipeline is is basically that when kids um, become disassociated with school or um, pushed out of school for various reasons, usually discipline, um, they may uh, not see school as the place for them. They they don't have a desire to finish school. And oftentimes those kids end up in the juvenile um, justice system and then into prison. So the education task force works on really our main goal is to keep kids in school and to make sure that they get services that will help them stay there, that will help them um have appropriate behavior and help them identify with school as a good place that um, is meant for them to be there and is inclusive of them. Um, And unfortunately, children who are um, black or brown are often disproportionately affected by those um, push out strategies. you know, I, I'm a former teacher myself. I would like to say that in defense of the education system, it's usually not uh, an intentional, malicious uh, thing to push kids out, but it's often to try to um, protect the learning environment, support teachers, um, and sometimes in misdirected ways. Um, oftentimes what we feel is misdirected ways are are punitive types of discipline where it's punishment oriented or um, serving time for whatever infraction that you have done. And so um, MCU's task for education task force has worked for, for a number of years on reducing out of school suspension, um, which is a a big push out for kids, literally and figuratively. Um, there are definitely discipline problems and teachers shouldn't have to just, you know, look the other way when a child is really disrupting their classroom, but there are other ways to handle it. And so MCU's task force has 
has really um, pushed districts to look at um, trauma-informed education and guidance techniques, which means just understanding that kids that have behavioral issues often have a lot of other baggage and so may react differently to authority figures and punitive discipline. We've also looked at using restorative discipline practices, which means um, a more of a community focus and looking at the harm done to the community and then having the person who um, who did committed some kind of infraction um, repair that harm done to the community rather than be pushed out of the community. They are called in and kind of it wrapped around by the community and asked to repair the damage, um, to address the victim or um, fix whatever they broke and then um, come back into the community so that there is uh, healing there rather than, um, you know, maybe a situation where there's going to be tit for tat um, re revenge or something later in, in that situation. And, and then just making sure that kids through their schools, because that's where we have our children, um, is that those kids are connected to um, mental health and behavioral health treatment um, resources. So MCU doesn't do those direct services. That's not the kind of organization we are. We look at the system. So we, we are basically the task force um, asks questions of, um, the districts, the boards, the superintendents, sometimes principals, as to and and tries to push um, them to go in these directions with their services and away from more of the punitive um, suspension type discipline. Okay, and so what what types of things or what kind of changes and problems have been coming up since we've been in distance learning and since the pandemic is hit, and and what what is MCU kind of doing to address those? That's a really good question because, um, you know, the other thing we look at is if kids are put out of school, that they have access to continuing their education and not getting so behind that they're going to give up because they've gotten so behind while they were out um, that there's no way to re repair their grades and things. So um, the distance learning has kind of created some of those same situations. And again, kids that are black and brown and, and, um, and poor have less access to those things they need for virtual education too. The schools have been pretty good. I would say the districts um, that we've been in touch with and from what I've heard have been very good about getting kids um, access to computers and hotspots and Wi-Fi. Um, but that doesn't solve all the problems. Oftentimes there are multiple kids in the family that are trying to access the Wi-Fi and that can be very difficult. Um, also, we, we've been concerned in making sure that um, kids who, you know, by checking in with districts, making sure that there is some access to the special education services that kids are required um, by law to have, um, have services for their, for their um, special needs. We've also been trying to make sure that parents are involved in the decision-making process and then also trying to just keep continuing. Like um, if it doesn't seem like there'd be that many dis discipline issues with virtual learning, but occasionally there are. And so making sure that uh, kids 
a child's not suspended from virtual learning, even if <clears throat> there's some kind of discipline issue. Um, recently, because of the, I think every district is having trouble with at least a, a, a minority probably of their kids um, just not logging in to school and not getting to their virtual school classes. And so attendance has become a real issue. Grades have dropped. Um, and we recently were um, given a letter that went out from one of the St. Louis Public Middle Schools to a number of parents um, that was extremely punitive in, in, um, in tone and basically said that, you know, we can we are going to if this continues call um, social services you could be reported you could be fined you can be um, you know held responsible for your child's truancy and it seemed like a pretty harsh step to the task force when we read that that in this time when parents are struggling so much to try to keep their jobs as well as have their kids in school, that it, um, it seemed pretty harsh. And so we um, wrote a letter to the um, school board about that and asked whether this was their policy to be sending these kinds of letters. Um, it went from the school board to Superintendent Adams, um, who didn't know about the letter and wasn't real happy. And, and um, we ended up meeting with um, number of members of the public school administration. The principal of that middle school, um, a network superintendent who is the next person above the principal as far as, as um, authority, and then a deputy superintendent um, in charge of the, um, the students, I believe, student services. And they were all... Um, rather apologetic. They said this was a new social worker who had sent the letter out and um, that they basically they that is the standard letter that they send to people that have had truancy or families that have had truancy problems, but that that is used only after a number of steps and, and contacts and support. So we we have another follow-up meeting with them and are gonna, going to suggest strongly that maybe that letter could be rewritten to have a little different tone. Um, and to uh, we realize that they have kind of have an illegal obligation to notify parents of those things, but that um, perhaps it could be done in a little different way with a little more support on or uh, emphasis on support for the parents rather than um, punishment. Uh, almost asking the district to find solutions instead of just slapping, slapping punishment, huh? Yeah, and exactly. And at that same meeting, we did also talk to them about um, restorative discipline practices. That is listed as one of their options in their um, student handbook, as far as consequences of infractions of the discipline policy. But it seems to be sporadic as far as the amount of training that people get. And it's up, sounds like it's up to the principles of individual buildings as to whether or not they use it. And it doesn't seem to be widely used. And we would love to have them doing that 
in okay. more schools as, as more of a um, consistent practice and philosophy of the district. Okay, great. Now, Hopi, uh, I understand that, that you and legal services played a part in this particular issue. Tell us how you collaborated with MCU. Well, we are part of the MCU Education Task Force, so we attend the, the meetings um, where we were discussing this issue as it kind of came up and strategizing a bit. I wasn't able to go to the meeting with the SLPS um, administrator, so I'm really grateful that you know MCU really, really took the lead in this collaborative approach, which um, we were, you know, we attempted to support kind of with legal um, research. And I think that's how we work well together is, you know, in being able to, to do some of that, um, taking on like a legal angle. And, you know, I think this issue is really exemplary of where Right, there is this legal obligation, as Lisa said, that that this district has to do this reporting. But COVID nineteen has just, I think, shown first of all some of these some of these flaws in how the laws work, and they really exacerbated and, and shifted the landscape and, and forced districts to reimagine how they're applying um, some of these some of these fr legal frameworks. Um, so we continue to monitor this issue as, um, as MCU does and kind of think about next steps because it does fit into, I think, broader patterns that we have certainly seen with our clients and that the MCU Education Task Force has been tackling both before and during um, COVID-19, including, as Lisa was saying, this um, need for trauma-informed anti-racist policies, as well as um, looking at the digital divide and how that affects attendance. Um, and in addition, kind of the surveillance and criminalization aspects of this um, particular letter that's very concerning to us. Um, and we're just continuing to, I think, monitor that and how it relates to this, these broader systems and, and the, the legal frameworks. It's something that we certainly want to hear from families about, and I think MCU shares this. Um, and with our approach of kind of combining this collaborative um, approach with other legal strategies, that um, hearing directly from families is, is really important as well. In a case like this, uh, does does your organization generally hear from a, a group like MCU, or is it families that that you are, are that call attention to cases like this? How how do you get involved, or how does how do you get pulled in? Yeah, in all sorts of ways, and and we certainly community partners like MCU are, especially during the pandemic, just more important now than ever for getting us plugged into what's happening in the community. Our um, approach is, is a community lawyering model. So we really are trying to listen to what's actually happening on the ground instead of just being lawyers locked away in some room somewhere trying to think of what's happening. Um, and it's been hard to connect with families during the pandemic when a lot of things are you know, virtual. I think that's something a lot of our community partners have echoed is just this need to hear from um, families. But we do have this great network of advocates and organizers and, um, and others who are on the ground kind of listening. So we have a hotline um, and we do hear from families directly that way. Um, but certainly all of our community partnerships are so valuable and plugging into um, teachers and, and, you know, other parts of, of 
people related to schools, um, working in schools, that's, that's all feeding, you know, how we can work together on these issues. Kevin, oftentimes, I, I think there is such a, um, a desire, like Hopi said, of trying to connect directly with families. And we would love to have more parents um, of kids who are actually um, involved in the, in the school systems right now on our task force. Right now, we have quite a few retired teachers. And, um, you know, and I think it's it kind of makes sense. Um, we we have the desire to have parents, but oftentimes parents don't realize there's a problem with the system until their child is in trouble somehow. And then they're often overwhelmed trying to keep their job and meet with the school and um, don't always know where to look for resources. So just, you know, trying to make sure that, that parents are informed of resources. And then sometimes we get tips from teachers who don't like the way the system is treating the children, um, but don't feel like they have enough power or maybe um, there's too much risk for their job for them to um, address it very directly themselves. So uh, we'd love to have more people that are directly involved in the system, but that can be really hard and we understand why that's um, difficult, but we certainly we get some parents too who um, have been involved in a discipline issue within their district that could have gone poorly or was starting to go poorly. They reached out for resources and were able to work through it into a better resolution. And um, so like at Latricia Gandy, who is one of our MCU organizers, has spoken frequently about her um, experience with her son in a school district. And um, that kind of motivated her to reach out to help other parents. And so we definitely are open to more parent involvement. And it, it, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to be a lawyer to be involved. We, we love to have people that are directly having the experience. I think the thing about education is that it, I mean, pretty much everyone knows someone who, I mean, we've all been, you know, gone through um, different, you know, systems ourselves and then know people. And so it is something where I think every perspective is so valuable. Okay, great. So we, we want more parents involved. So what's the best way, Lisa, for parents to contact the education task force and say, here's, here's what I'm up against? Well, definitely, I think the easiest way is to contact the MCU office. Um, the phone number is 314-367-3484. And like I said, just leave a message either on the machine or with the office manager and, and we will get your contact information and get back to you. Uh, and like I said, you can always look at the website, which is um, mcustlewis.com. Dot org. You can go to the website, you'll find our phone number or address, any way you can get in touch with the office, um, and our office manager will get your name out to us and we'll get in contact with you. Okay, and uh, Hopi, uh, wh what's the best way for folks to contact your organization? Sure, well, our education justice program does have a hotline, um, which is 314-256-87. 8, 9, and you can also email us at ejp at lsem.org. 
Uh, we also have an intake line and a website for our entire organization. Um, we, we cover a lot of other issues in our other departments. So the legal services website um, will have information about that as well. Okay. And can you speak a little bit more about how things can kind of get quickly out of hand if, uh, if a parent is sort of taken by surprise by a discipline action and, and, and doesn't have the tools that they need going into talking with the school in the school district? Yeah, I mean, we certainly want parents and guardians to feel empowered and, and they can do a lot as advocates for their children, you know, knowing their children and knowing their system. But um, districts also can get away with a lot. And, you know, if, if especially you're, you're experiencing issues with um, exclusion or access, th- that could be a point where having a, an advocate, whether that's a lay advocate or a legal advocate, really, um, really can help navigate when and know when the school might be crossing a line, um, which is one reason we do a lot of know your rights presentations in the community and trying to um, really empower parents with knowing where that line is when it comes to their legal rights. Um, and certainly we encourage then parents, if you, if you feel that your, um, your school or your district is not responding appropriately to a situation with your child, um, you can always call our hotline and we can either um, take on the case or give a referral to other resources. Okay. And you guys have a new tool uh, that you're, you're promoting to, to help parents. Can you tell us about that? We do. It's called the Ed Rights app. And this grew out of the Know Your Rights presentations that we've been doing in the community for several years. Um, This resource is a way for parents to kind of carry around in their pocket what we would be presenting on in a presentation um, and have that easy access to a reference um, that goes over their legal rights. So currently it covers um, school access and school discipline issues. Um, And it's an interface that's pretty easy to use and and navigable, just kind of clicking through to find what your situation is and then what rights you have in a particular situation. Um, And the cool thing is it's actually a website that behaves like an app. So there is a URL, which you can find at lsem.org slash edwrites hyphen app. Um, And from there, you can either... um, access the website through that URL on your desktop or laptop. You can also um, install it on your phone or tablet home screen, which will allow some of that information to be stored on your device and you can use it then without internet, which was really important to us as we were developing this app um, because of the digital divide and because we know that um, oftentimes when you you need that resource, um, then, you know, sometimes it's not in a situation where internet is easily accessible. So um, you can also share the app really easily through the URL and um, hopefully we're, we're wanting to empower parents, also students, including unaccompanied youth and community partners who are working with families to be able to navigate easily and go through um, the app in that way. And I will say we're having a um, Facebook Live presentation on February 9th at 2 p.m to go over the EdRights app and how it can help families. We're basically just gonna be doing a demonstration of how you would um, be able to first install it and sign up for notifications and use all of the features of the app. Um, So please join us for that if you're interested in learning more. 
And, and I think that that parent advocacy is something that we're really advocating more and more that those most affected by the systems um, should be the ones uh, that are empowered because they know how it's in fact affecting them the most. And it also is the greatest source of, of power for, for pushing back on, on abusive systems. And that, that goes for the school districts as well as our, our legal justice system. And we've, we've built a, quite a, a nice little group um, for the juvenile justice program to do the same type of thing. And if you need those, th that type of connection also make the same contact. Hoping to let's finish up, tell us a little bit more about uh, legal services of Eastern Missouri. What else do you guys cover? And then give us the contact information one more time. Sure. Um, yeah, our, our program, the Education Justice Program, really targets the root causes of education inequity. So we're um, focusing on a lot of the same priorities as, as MCU's Education Task Force and um, using a racial justice lens and this community lawyering model to look at systemic issues mostly through um, impact litigation, but also these outreach and community education tools. Um, we have as well another um, education um, unit, the Children's Legal Alliance. Um, they do a lot of individual representation. Um, we also cover anything from family law to public benefits to some immigration cases. We have a housing unit, a consumer law unit, um, small business development unit, really any um, civil legal assistance. Um, and Legal Services of Eastern Missouri covers um, a 21 county region in Eastern Missouri, and we serve low-income individuals and the elderly. So we do have an income um, eligibility requirement, but all of our civil legal assistance is free. Um, and we also provide holistic social work for all of our legal clients. So really trying to um, tackle the, the many angles of, um, of injustice and, and oppression that affect a lot of our clients. Um, if you want to contact the Legal Services of Eastern Missouri um, intake line, we actually have two different numbers for that. One is toll-free at 800-444-0514, or you can also call 314-534-4200, and we have interpretation services available when you call that intake line. You can also check us out on um, our Legal Services website and uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, whatever works for you. Okay, great. I want to thank our guests today, Lisa Thompson, an organizer of MCU's Education Task Force, and Hopi Fink, staff attorney with the Education Justice Program of Legal Services of Eastern Missouri. And as we've said a couple of times to learn more about MCU, go to the Metropolitan Congregations United website at mcustlewis.org. Also be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for news and events and for information on how you can become involved. I'm Kevin Prang, and you've been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Tune in again next time, and thank you for listening.